Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You have made me glad. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's been a beautiful, beautiful few days. I tell you, it went really quick, it feels like. My body, now my body says something different, right? We may feel weary in our bodies, but I tell you what, my spirit feels alive. Amen. We are going to go home so energized in the spirit. And when we arrive at our churches on Sunday morning in East Wind, I don't know how y'all are going to contain yourselves come tomorrow morning, actually. Tomorrow's Sunday. I've lost track of my days. This building, if it could speak, it's saturated with the power of the Holy Spirit. What we have received the last few days is immeasurable, is immeasurable. We are so grateful to be in God's holy presence again today. And just, this is the third year for Wins Conference, and I've said it every year. When Friday night is done, I think, now why again do we have Saturday service? (laughs) I think we're just spent, and I think that the Lord has probably said all that he needs to say to us. (laughs) And then we come Saturday, and boy. He just rolls out the red carpet again, and he just saturates us one more time with the beauty of his holiness and one more beautiful word from heaven. And we're going to hear from him again today. And I know without a doubt that he has a perfect word for each and every one of us, a destiny in the spirit for each and every one of us, a purposeful word. And as you make your way back to your seat, I want to introduce a lovely young lady, my dearest friend, I can say that, uh, many, many years. (laughs) Um, What a wonderful person she is, the pastor's wife of East Twin Pentecostal Church. And uh, yeah, you can go ahead and cheer for this. Yes! That is in order. That's in order. You know, a pastor's wife, I'm one, I'm one, so I can say this. It's it's kind of an awkward thing because pastor's wives are not, they're not uh, the shepherd and not really a part of the flock. We're more like the the sheepdog that runs around in circles panting with their tongues hanging out. So, yeah. (laughs) But she serves this church beautifully. Beautifully. And one thing I want to say about Amy Golden Myers is that I call her a warrior princess because she has such a servant's heart. And many times you think of a servant as very humble, and that she is. Very meek, and that she is. But she's tough. And she's faithful and she's consistent, but boy, she's a bear as well, you know? Yeah. And she's going to get it done and she's got some tenacity in her and she's going to make it to the very end and she's going to make certain that she's going to carry as many people with her as she can. She teaches Bible studies. She's the first one to be at the service if she can get here. She's here at all the services and 
And I know this because I, I hear her heartbeat, her and her, her husband. And, and uh, she's so real. And she's really cool, too. She's real cool. And we share the same kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. At, to the dismay of our husbands because our kind of funny is if you trip and fall, we laugh. And then we ask, are you okay? I'm a lot more, uh, I mean, we won't get into that because I, I'm really bad about that as she knows, because there's been a few times where she's stubbed her toe or something or run into a wall and, and I've had to check on her after I get through laughing, but what a woman of God. And I'm so grateful to call her my friend and she's a wonderful mother. Look at her children, wonderful kids. Um, they rise up and call her blessed. She drives a wonderful, what, do you still drive that blue Mustang? What year is that? 64 and a half. Oh, and a half. I, I think that matters. She drives her husband wild. He drives her crazy. And so I want to invite my wonderful friend, Amy Golden Myers to come and speak the word of the Lord to this conference. My goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lift your hands. Open your mouths. Let the Lord know how much you love him this morning. Just offer up a heart of thanksgiving and gratitude for what he's spoken into your heart and your mind this week. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your presence. Speak from your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What an honor it is to be with you today. I'm so excited to be at my favorite conference, at my favorite church, with my favorite people. I know you've been standing and worshiping, and I just want to take a quick moment to, um, from my heart, tell all my Eastwind family how much I love you. You have given and served this week, like you always do, but when you, when you do it unto the Lord, he sees it, and he's going to bless you, and my husband and I are so thankful for each of you and thankful for what you have done for the kingdom this week. Today, um, I'm going to talk to you. I have, when, when the committee, when the wins committee asked me to speak, I immediately <laughs> went into travail because <laughs> I, I wanted to make sure that, that I had the right thing for you today. And that, um, that you heard from the Lord and that whatever he wanted for us to hear today. And so literally for about a year, it's been, um, me saying, God, what do you have for the Saturday morning for these young people, for these, this church, for you to take home with you after everything that's been said this week. 
And this one word just kept coming to me over and over. And you've heard it all week long. And it was the word generation. And we've heard it all week. And I'm thankful for that word. Because it, it, it not only speaks of our past, but it speaks of our future. So we're going to talk about that this morning. If you open your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 13, verse 27. I want to say how much I love my husband, my children. I love you with all my heart. Acts chapter 13, verse 27 says, For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which were read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. If you go on down to verse 36, same chapter, Acts 13, verse 36, says, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. If you'll place your Bibles down, lift up your hands and help me declare to God how much you love him. Open your hearts and your minds. Help us, oh God, to receive your word. Thank you, Lord. Help us to put it into action. Oh God, we love you too. You may be seated. As we read in Acts chapter 13, the statement is made in verse 27 is quite astonishing. It's an astonishing message and it's a warning to us. In verse 36, we receive a call. It's a call to serve. It's said that David served his generation And we learn all through scriptures that God chose David as a young man and prepared him almost from childhood for leadership. God ordained him and he called him. And despite all of his obvious failings and his fallen nature and weaknesses, David would become a great king for the glory of God. It's also said that David was a man after God's own heart. And I pray that that's said of you and I, that we are men and women who seek after God and that we have fulfilled his purpose in our generation. The challenge we face today is how do we serve our generation like David did? Like David facing opportunities and obstacles presented to us in these last days, we see in verse 27 of Acts chapter 13 that there was also a generation that did not know the voices of the prophets. They sat in the temple, they came, 
They heard the scriptures. But they didn't know the voices of the prophets. When that scripture was read, those Old Testament prophecies, they didn't hear them. They didn't listen. They didn't respond. The readings and the rituals every Sunday on Sabbath, that temple, all those rituals and readings fell on their deaf ears. I ask you today, what will this generation hear? What's going to speak to them? What's going to reach them? Sometimes we look around and we're not quite sure. Is the saying goes, this is the best of times. This is the worst of times. But there's an all out attack daily on our minds, on our homes, on our children, on your soul. Every day, the enemy is doing everything it can to come at you. And I know that in this time, God's raising up a generation. He's raising up a people unto himself. First Peter 2, 9. What does it say? Many of you know, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who's thankful? Who's thankful for him calling you out of darkness into his marvelous light? Thank you, Jesus. Tom Brokaw, some of you may not know who that is, but he was an American journalist. And he wrote a book many years ago titled The Greatest Generation. This book was a tribute to his father and the men and women of his father's generation. They came of age during the time of the Great Depression. And Tom Brokaw was writing about how there was this group of young people who, a generation, you could say, who was called to be a part of the liberating forces of Europe and Pacific and liberating them during the World War II. I recall spending time with my grandparents and them, they would recant to me stories about the state of our nation and, and what was going on growing up during that time. And mainly my grandfather, he told me about how, you know, some of his adventures being in the service during that time and how he would have friends that would even go as far to lie about their age just so they could join the armed services because they had this sense come up within them, this urgency to get out there and defend and protect their country. It just welled up within them and they, I've got to fight. I've got to go. I've got to answer the call, they said. There was this sense in our country of unity as everyone would rally to this cause. This generation heard that call. They heard that call. They heard the voice, that calling for unity. They heard that call to come defend your country. They heard the call to come protect your country. After the war, those men and women were used to provide leadership in business, education, the government in a time may go down as what many would say as America's greatest 
leadership and influence in the world. All because of that generation. They were people who, according to Tom Brokaw and many Americans, believed that they were, in fact, the greatest generation in American history. They were a generation of people who rose heroically to face enormous challenges. I ask you today, will you rise to face the challenge to lead and equip our generation and the generation after us? Will you answer the call? Will you respond to the challenges that your generation has? Will you step up and say, here am I, here am I, Lord. I answered that call. We've heard our elders, great men and women of God, they come and speak over us. They've poured into us this week. Many of them have come and prayed for us. But guess what? You can't fulfill the purpose of God in their generation. You can't fulfill the purpose of God in my generation. You will not be able to fulfill the purpose of God in your children's generation. But, don't you love the but there? But you can be used to serve your generation here and now. Starting today. Starting today. I pray perhaps it's written of you. They were the greatest generation of apostolics. They were more effective than any previous generation. Everything that they did was a call to advance the kingdom of God. It was all for his glory. They heard my voice and they answered my call. The future of God's work isn't contingent upon our abilities. It's contingent upon our availability to him. I ask you, are you making yourself available to him? Are you saying, Lord, I'm available. Use me. Use me, oh God. I remember as a young person having these questions and doubts and said, God, I'm so hungry. I want to do something for you. I want to do something for your kingdom. And if not careful, I would fall into the trap of comparison. And it's very easy to do because you can compare yourself to others. And I would look at my friends and I'm not as good of a singer as she is. Not a good singer at all. And I would try to learn how to play the piano. I was not very good at that. Struggled. I just felt like I was failing him. How, God, how can I be used? How can I be used for your kingdom? But I had parents that would stand in the gap for me. And they'd say, Amy, don't give up. Hang in there. Keep worshiping. Keep praying. Keep teaching. Keep giving. Keep going to church. Keep making yourself available to him. 
Young person, make yourself available to him. Watch what God will do through you, in you, for you. We just have to make ourselves available to him. Totally available. Totally. Every heart, every part of your heart has to be available for him. Every part of your mind, everything for him to truly flow through you. It has to be a hundred percent. It can't be 99.9. It has to be a total commitment, a total availability. Because if we leave 1%, a 0.5%, then we're in our flesh. And it has to be whatever you want, God. Whatever you want. Whoever. Total availability. Just like they did not hear the voices of the prophets being read in the temple. Your generation will not hear the sermons in your church, the lessons in your youth group. They will not hear your worship if we do not reach them where they are. The way for this generation to hear the voice of God is when we serve them. When we serve them, that's when they hear. We're going to look at three ways that we can serve our generation and help them hear the voice of God. The first way is by proclamation. By speaking the word of God. That's how they'll hear. Paul served his generation. And he had someone named Timothy. And he was teaching him. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. He says, Timothy... I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. And the next three powerful words in verse two, preach the word, preach the word. We best serve our generation when we preach the word, the word. When we speak the word, when we proclaim the word, the word, the word, the word. Paul is telling Timothy, look, look, Timothy, times are going to get bad. Don't forget, speak the word. Things are going to get crazy. You're going to look around. It's going to be crazy. But don't forget, Timothy, speak the word. People are going to turn from the truth. People are going to turn away from you. But don't forget, Timothy, don't stop speaking the word. Preach it, Timothy. Preach the word. Speak the word in love. Speak the word in kindness. But whatever you do, speak the word. Speak the word, Timothy. Do you want to change your generation? Do you want to serve your generation, Timothy? Speak the word. Speak to the word. Speak the word in kindness. Speak the word in love. Speak the word, Timothy. Speak the word. Paul says in Romans 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. 
to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He's telling him, for I am not ashamed. Don't be ashamed to speak the word. Don't let the enemy intimidate you from proclaiming the word. Don't let the enemy stop you from sharing his word. If you can get on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or TikTok and you can comment on somebody's post or whatever it is, I'm not, I want to embarrass my kids, slide into their DMs and say, hey, how are you? You look nice. Where are you going to this conference? But you can't talk to your friend at school and you can't share the word with them, but you can talk to somebody you do not know. You can comment on their post that they don't know who you are. They don't care about you, but you can say something to them, but you can't talk to your friends. You can't talk to your coworkers. I'm praying for you. I love you. Jesus loves you. But we can say all that to somebody we don't even know who doesn't even care about us. But we rub shoulders with people every day. And we say, hey, they say, oh, mother, hungry. Our generation is hungry. They want something so bad. And you have the word. You have the word. Proclaim the word. David served his generation by proclaiming the word. That's how we can serve our generation. In multiple situations in David's life, he took the opportunity to proclaim the word. When he fought Goliath, he proclaimed the name of the Lord. He didn't go on that field that day planning to fight a giant. He was serving his family. His dad asked him to do something for his brothers and David said, sure, and goes out there and steps out on that battlefield, <laughs> took advantage of that situation as an opportunity to declare and proclaim the power of God to all those that were gathered there on that battlefield. That victory that day, that was a testimony to both those Israelites and those Philistines. They heard the word proclaimed to them that day. We may not go around walking and facing physical giants, but you do face challenges daily. And will you use that challenge as an opportunity to serve your generation? An opportunity to proclaim his goodness. To serve your generation and let them know who Jesus is, is the way to serve. Proclaiming his name, proclaiming his word. On and on and on, David proclaimed the word of God when he was running from Saul. Psalms 57, 9. He says, I will praise thee, O Lord. Among the people, I will sing unto thee the nations. Facing consequences of his sin with Bathsheba, losing a child. David writes in Psalms 51, verse 15, O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth will show forth thy praises. In death, he was praising him, proclaiming the word. That seems like a really hard time to proclaim the word. I mean, he just lost a child. He's dealing with all these situations of his sin, but yet he proclaims the word. 
in trials and uncertainty and attacks from evil people, David, a man after God's own heart, he delighted himself and proclaimed the word. He would use worship as a way to proclaim and speak the word. And he did that every time he served his generation. He reminds us in 1 Chronicles 16, he gives us instructions on how to worship. He says, speak the word. He tells us to give him praise. He says to proclaim his name. These are all ways that we can proclaim and serve. He says to sing. Singing is a way of proclaiming. Remembering his wonders. It's another way to proclaim the word. Declaring his glory among the nations. Proclaiming. Giving thanks. Every time you give thanks to God, you are proclaiming his word. His spoken word you're proclaiming. Everything David thought, felt, and did was motivated to worship God and proclaim his glory. David even said, clap your hands, all you people, and shout. His declaration and proclamation of the goodness of God was an outward demonstration of an internal desire to worship and proclaim the word of God, thus serving his generation. He says in Psalms 145 verse 4, Oh, generation, one generation is going to praise your works to another and shall declare his mighty acts. My friend, you need to declare the goodness of God in your life. Declare it every time he's healed your body, every time he's healed your mind, every time he's provided for your family, every time he stepped in, made a way when there was no way, and declare his mighty acts. Proclaim him, proclaim his word, proclaim what he's done for you, what he's going to do for you. Proclaim it in the name of Jesus. Another way we serve our generation is through explanation, teaching the word, teaching the word. When our boys were little, uh, we have a Bible quiz kickoff program that we do here at the church at Eastwind. And my husband was a Bible quizzer. I was a wannabe Bible quizzer. And um, we would always start off with a lot of zeal and enthusiasm, but kind of fizzle out at the end. But but, um, we really felt as parents, it was important that we teach our children the word. And so we... At the young age of four, got them started. Now, mind you, at four, as even though they are very highly intelligent young men, they were four. And they could not read. And everything had to be done audibly. And so let's just say this, that that first year was quite interesting and challenging. And they did learn the word. And it was, it was a lot of fun and it was a lot of great memories, but they learned the word. They learned the word. And that following year, I had made up my mind that Bible quizzing was going to become a father son activity. (laughs) That would be something that my husband could just have that bonding time with his boys because it was just challenging. 
and the new material came out as it does. And that material was on apostolic doctrine. And guess what? The first verses that they started memorizing were Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. These words which I command you this day shall be in thy heart. And here it is, folks. And you shall teach them diligently unto thy children and shall talk of it when you sittest in your house, when you walk by the way, when you ride down, when you rise up, you shall bind it for them. That's you doing it for them. For it shall be a sign upon your hand and it shall be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall write it upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. I was so convicted. Oh my word. I was so convicted. I apologized to God. I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I love your word. I'm going to teach it. I apologize. I want to serve the generation. I want to teach it. I want to teach it to my children. I want to teach it. I want to equip them. I want to equip them so they'll hear the voice of the prophets. That they'll hear your voice one day, oh God. They'll be familiar that when they hear you call them, when they see your word, when they read your word, that they'll know. That they will hear your voice. That your voice will not be silent to them. The greatest resources we have. It's not our buildings. And it's not our programs. The greatest resource is that next generation. And equipping them with the word. Teaching them the word. But before we teach the word, we've got to be a student of the word. Romans 2.21 says, Thou therefore, what teachest another, teachest not thou thyself? That thou preachest a man should not steal, dost thou, must thou steal? He's like, how are you? Paul's saying here, Romans, never stop being a student of the word. Never stop. We never get to a point where we're like, oh, I've got it. My father-in-law is 87 years old. And every day he gets up. You think at 87, he'd be like, oh, I've read my Bible three times a year for how many years? Oh, I think I know it. No, this right here is living, breathing. This is your bread. This is your word. This is the word of God. Don't stop being a student of the word. He says, take heed in 1 Corinthians 12, 16. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing so, this will save both yourself and those that hear you. It's a profound statement. (laughs) He's saying here, he's saying, you can only give to others... What you've read, what you've studied, what you've experienced. You can only pour into others from that personal overflow. 
that word must become personal. We must take ownership. He says, he says in Psalm 78, listen, give ear, O people, unto my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. He's teaching. Parables are teaching. I'll utter sayings, dark sayings of old, which ye have heard and known, and our father have told us. We're not going to hide them from our children. He said, I'm not going to hide the word for my children. I'm going to show to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works, all that he hath done. For this generation to hear, we must serve them through explaining the word, educating them. That's how we serve them. They need to hear all the praiseworthy things that God has done for you. They need to hear about your love for him and his mercies and his peace and his joy. This lost and dying world needs to hear about the wonderful works of God. In Psalm 78, he goes on and decrees to, to all the miracles that God has done for Israel. He, he lets them know, this is what God's done for you. This is what God's doing. We serve our generation best. When we teach them what great things God has done. So elders, I need you to tell your testimony. Tell us how God pulled you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Tell me about the miracles that God has performed in your life. Tell me about the miracles in your family. How he saved your family. Tell me. Tell me about... The miracles he's done in your finances. Tell me. I need to know that. My generation needs to know that. So I can serve my generation and the next generation. I believe today that we're battling. It's been said this week. And it was in my notes. I told, even showed Sister Melanie Elms. I was like, I can't. I feel like, you know, it's just, it's been a word of confirmation. But we've been. Battling what I believe today is a spirit of confusion. And that spirit of confusion is trying to confuse our children. It's trying to confuse each other. It's trying to get in there and make things muddled. Confuse. Is this, is this really important? Is this really necessary? Do we really have to do this? It's trying to get things confused. It's trying to make you confused and think, man, my friends at school, they really, they treat me a whole lot better than the kids in my youth group. That's a spirit of confusion. You know what? My kids at campus and college, those friends, they, 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 they treat me so much better. It's a spirit of confusion. It's trying to confuse you, make you think, you know what? I need to step over here because that's, mm, I don't know about that. I'm not really getting accepted over there. I feel accepted over here. So then I'm going to come on this way. That's a spirit of confusion. It's trying to pull you away. It's the same thing. It's pulling you. Don't let that get into you. We have to teach. We have to teach the word so they know they can discern and see for themselves what is truth, what is light, what is good, what is wrong. 
Psalms 119 says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We need to teach the word so they have a light that's going to guide them in this spirit, in this time of this day, what we're dealing with. They need the word. We need to teach the word so they know, oh, hey, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to go over there. That's, there's some, that's, that's not the right way. I I need to stay on the path. There, here's the path. Oh yes, this is the way I need to go. That, that word is your map. It guides you. It leads you into the presence of God. It's not going to lead you astray. It's not going to lead you down the wrong way. Use that word as your lamp leads and guides us. It's so important that we teach the word. Teach the word in Sunday school. Teach the word. Teach the word at your job in a Bible study. Teach the word in your high school. Teach the word at your P7 club. Teach the word on your college campus. Teach the word in your dorm. Teach the word. Don't stop teaching the word. Don't stop. Teach the word. Raise your hands and thank him for the word. Thank you for the word, Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus. The last point, you may be seated, is the way we serve our generation is through dedication. Not only do we speak the word and declare it, and, and not only do we explain the word and teach it, but we live a life of dedication unto the word. David understood something. He understood that others were watching him and how he responded and how he reacted. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 18 says, Then behold, one of the servants said, I seen that son of Jesse, that Bethlehemite. That's a cunning man. He plays the harp real good. Oh yeah, he's great. He's mighty, valiant. He's a man of war. He's prudent in matters. Comely person. But the Lord is with him. That right there. Doesn't matter what they say about you, or what if how good you are your talents, your gifts. The Lord is with him. They all knew it. Whenever they would describe him, no matter what they said, that's a man of God. That's a woman of God. The Lord is with him. I feel something different when I'm with him. When I'm in his presence, you know, just feel better. They all knew that God was with David by the way he lived. Paul reminds Timothy that example again, he says in First Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Let no man despise your youth, but be thou an example of the believers in your word, in conversation, in charity, in love. That's charity and love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Let that be said of you. We serve, a dedic- we serve our generation by living a life in faith, in purity, 
in our conversation, in our word, in what we do. It's all a dedication. It's all service unto them. Paul is saying, Timothy, as a young person, they're watching you. Be an example in what you do. Serve your generation through the word. Serve them in love and faith. I attended public high school and it was I, my first two years I, I homeschooled and then my ninth and 10th grade year and then my 11th and 12th grade year, I attended public school and I love people and the very first day I came home from school and my mom said, how was school? I said, it was awesome. I signed up for every club they had. <laughs> I was like, I'm running first class president. I, <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the treasurer of the key club. And I just went, I was so excited to be with people. And, and I joined every group and, and it, was, it was a lot of fun. But she would tell me, Amy, contact without compromise. can have contact, but don't compromise. She was saying, you can have contact. You can make friends. You can be friendly. You can have fun. You can, you can laugh. You can, you can hang out with your friends. Don't compromise. Don't, don't compromise your values, Amy. Don't compromise your teachings. Don't, don't compromise your beliefs. You can do it. You can do it. But don't compromise. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, 19, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Unto the Jews, I was a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. And to them under the law, under the law, that I might gain those that are under the law. Paul goes on to say that to the weak, I became weak. He was saying, you can have contact. Just don't compromise. You can have contact, Timothy. Just don't compromise. You can have friends, you can have fun, just don't compromise. What do people see in my life? What do people hear when I speak? Is it me or is it the love of Jesus? Am I being an example of his love and his kindness and his mercy? Do I show kindness and compassion? David never sought sought the spotlight after being anointed king by king Sam, by Samuel he returns back to the sheepfold he could have said oh i'm king or no he just kept doing what he was doing went back to the sheep Saul even said hey where's david uh He's with the sheep. He's out in the field, serving the sheep, serving his family, 
for us to serve our generation, we must be salt and light. Salt to preserve the truth. Light to be the beacon pointing them to the truth. We serve our generation best when we serve God with all our heart. When we love what he loves. When we're burdened for what he's burdened for. When we pursue to proclaim his word. When we endeavor to educate and explain his word. And we serve our generation when we desire to dedicate our lives to living his word. Will you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. David served. He served his generation. When he served his sheep, he had the heart of a shepherd. And when he served his family, he had the heart of a teacher. He served his country. He had a heart of dedication. And he served his generation by raising up a tabernacle of praise. Jonathan Edwards said, the obligation of every generation is to understand what God is doing and to join together with him to see that it is accomplished. People hear what they see. And when they see you serving your fellow man, when they see you reaching for those in need, when they see you, what you do with your time, what you treasure with your talent, that's when they'll listen to what you have to say. It is impossible to truly serve and be selfish. You cannot truly serve and be selfish. Unselfishness is a must. Until we become more concerned about what others, about others, and less concerned about ourselves, we cannot truly serve our generation. He told us two things. Love God. Love others. Love God. Love others. When word got back to Jerusalem that David spared the life of a king... He served his generation. When word got back to the people of, that David respected the servants of Paul, he served his generation in kindness. When, when the people of Israel found out that David served Mephibosheth, that he was crippled, David honored him by having him at his table. He served his generation by showing generosity. Every time David forgave, he served his generation. Every time David lifted his hands in worship, he served his generation. Every time he showed mercy, 
He served his generation. I ask you, what will this generation hear? Will they hear you proclaim the spoken word of God? Will they hear you an explanation of the living word? Will they hear your dedication unto the word of God? Will they hear the voice of the prophets? There's a generation out there that needs you. They need you and the first time they'll ever meet Jesus is when they come into contact with you. Before they'll step foot in this church and your church at home, before they'll ever do that is how they meet you. It can be terrifying, can it? It's a terrifying thought. Honestly. Oh, but what an honor. What an honor. What a responsibility to serve our generation. How we react, that's what they hear. How you respond, that's what they're going to hear. How you reach out in love and kindness with a kind word. That's what they'll hear. That's what they hear first. If you'll lift your hands, pray with me. I want our cities. I want our churches. I want our towns. I want them to know him. I want our children. I want this next generation to know him. Come to this altar. Lift your hands and say, God, I'm available to you. Every part of my heart, every part of my mind, it's available to you, God. I want to hear your voice. I want to serve my generation. I want to love like him. I want to serve like him. I want to know more of him. I love you, Jesus. Pour out to him. Use me, Lord. I'm here for you. I want to serve you, Lord. I want to serve my generation. Let him know. I'm here, Jesus. Use me, Lord. (laughs) Oh, I love you, Jesus. I want to win my family. I want to win my friends. I'm available to you, Jesus.
into this house right now, let's just lift up both hands. Let's just begin to declare some things over our cities, over our schools, over our friends, over our families. Come on, let's declare healings. Let's declare that God's going to deliver. But mostly let's declare, God, use me because I know you're walking right beside me. God, give me the confidence to be used. God, give me the confidence to walk uprightly for you. Let's just say it again. Turn to your seats today. Let's give praise unto God right now all across this building. Can you give praise unto God? Come on, that's it. Just lift him up and praise him. Praise the covenant-keeping God. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Hallelujah, for he hath done great things. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. We're getting ready to go into the word of the Lord for the final session of this Wednesday conference. And I... I think we, 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 we've done it in this altar season of, of, of coming to the altar. But could we lift our hands and just thank God for what we just heard from Sister Myers this morning. God has spoken to us all across this building. Can we just lift up our hands and our voices? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for empowering this generation. Hallelujah, with your word, with your spirit. Praise God. Sometimes you step into the presence of God and it's just beautiful. It is just a, a beauty and a, a splendor of his presence. And we're feeling that this morning. We thank Sister Myers so much for that wonderful word from God. Amen. Thank you, precious Jesus. We're so thankful for all that God has done. And, and what a way to, to cap it off this morning than to hear from our very dear and beloved friend, Brother Landon Gore. Amen. God bless him. We love Brother Gore. Brother Gore loves God. And Brother Gore loves this generation. He's consecrated and dedicated to the Lord. He's down to earth. He's humble, but he's bold in the Holy Ghost. 
And he's going to come at this time and bring the word of life to us. We love him. We appreciate him. Could you welcome him as he comes to this pulpit? God bless you, Brother Gore. Let's do that for Jesus. Come on, I know it's protocol and routine, but would you just make it just a little louder, just a little longer for Jesus? I love you, God. I love you, God. I love you, God. I love you, God. I love you. Just a few more seconds. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. From the bottom basement of our hearts, we love you. We adore you, God. You've been so good to us this week. We cast our affection upon you, God. We turn our gaze on you, God. We are so grateful for every word, every altar call, every miracle, every visitation, every rhema. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Wow. 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 Um, wow. How many of you are thankful for the word of the Lord that you heard? This morning from Sister Amy Myers. Um, I'm going to write in my diary tonight. Dear diary, today I got to tag team preach with Amy Myers. I'm so grateful for brother and sister Myers, um, and their, uh, vision and their generosity. Um, I have been a recipient of their kindness along with so many others uh, in my generation. And I am thankful for their stewardship of this conference. Um, and I think I'm supposed to give honor to the committee, but I think it's the committee that decided I had to follow everyone. So I'm a little jaded at the moment. Um, so I honor those that are responsible or irresponsible for um, putting me at the very last. So it's a miracle that I've enjoyed this conference. I, I really have tried to enjoy it, and I have. There's been such a richness, and I count it a high honor to um, be able to address you and I'm so thankful for uh, every um, every word that we have heard. Um, I honor uh, Brother Elms, Brother Urshan, Brother Woodward, uh, Brother Kyle, and uh, the multiplicity of ministry uh, that is here, pastors, pastors' wives, youth leaders, um, saints of God, young men and women. And again, to this East Wind Church family that has vacuumed and put out signs in the parking and cleaned up when we left the afterburner. Thank you. Thank you for hosting us. I want to take your attention to the book of Luke chapter eight, the book of Luke chapter eight, verse 22, the book of Luke chapter eight and verse 22. Now, I'm having a little PTSD um, because 
One of the last times I preached, different people came and said, thank you, Landon, for that word. It really ministered to me. And, you know, you try to be humble and just say thank you. And obviously we know it's God using all of us. And um, so I guess maybe I gotten too many compliments and the Lord needed to humble me um, because I was sitting at the table and uh, Sophia, Sophia, she said, Landon, um, I really enjoyed your message, um, but I said, oof, that's a caveat. Something's coming next. So I braced myself and I thought, no, she's, she's so nice. It's, I'm probably just overthinking. I wasn't. She said, Landon, that was a great message, but your title didn't make sense. So I took that constructive criticism. And now I walk into every sermon second guessing if I make sense. So I'm going to try to make sense. (laughs) I give honor to her and her twin brothers. I love them very, very much. Luke chapter 8 and 22. If you're there, say amen. If you're cheating and looking on the screen, say amen. No shame in your game. Now it came to pass on a certain day that Jesus went into a boat with his disciples and he said unto them, let us go over to the other side of the sea. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, the rabbi started snoozing. And there came a storm of wind on that sea and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. So they came to him and awoke him saying, master, master, uh, your boy is about to die. We're about to perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased. And there was a calm. And he said unto them, where is your faith? And they being afraid wondered, saying one to another, what manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. So they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And When he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man who had devils long time. He had no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. This story is given to us in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And I'm going to do my best to merge these accounts and preach to us. And... um, Somebody, somebody told me to preach the house down. Well, that's a lot of pressure. So my title today, Sophia, I promise it will make sense by the end. I think, I hope, I pray. It's simply this. I can't preach the house down. That's my title today. And this awkward silence is making me just a little nervous but I'm used to awkwardness. Would you put down your phone? Would you put down your Bible? And would you just lift up your hands with me for a moment? God, I thank you for a holy opportunity to be with my brothers and my sisters, battle brothers and sisters, foxhole friends that are on the front lines. God, we have not just met one another horizontally, but God, you have given us a vertical visitation Session after session, panel after panel, message after message. I pray one more time that you would allow your unction to descend in this house. Allow my mouth to be your megaphone. Do what only you can get credit for today. And I thank you for it. I feel your grace and your virtue. 
And I give you praise for what is about to happen in this house. Would you join me right now as a statement of faith? Would you just verbalize some thanksgiving? God, I thank you for what you have done and for what you are yet to do. I, I want us to thank him one more time. But this is what I want us to thank him for. Not what he has just done in this moment, but what he is going to do from this moment. We have not just come to services, time, spaces, and places where God moves in a moment. We have had vertical visitations where God is initiating and doing things from these moments. That's a shift. I want us to thank God for what he is going to do from this weekend. We are being commissioned. We are being sent forth. I thank you for what you are going to accomplish tomorrow. I thank you for what you are going to accomplish in five weeks. I thank you for the word that's going to come alive in three years. From these moments, from these shiftings, I give you great praise in Jesus' name. Somebody clap your hands one more time if you believe that prayer. God bless you, and you can be seated. As I attempt to merge Matthew, Mark, and Luke, I find it quite intentional and intriguing that Jesus is having a very direct conversation in which he is inviting somebody to RSVP for deeper themes. So it is that he is declaring to one, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. He is going to segue and he is going to invite those around him to launch into the deep. So I, I have to make this connection in order for us to go to a deep place. Something has to be left behind. And there is a generation that is arising that is tired of dead, hollow religion. We are not interested in North American check-in, check-out church. But we want a New Testament reality to take place every Sunday. But we want it to take place Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Have you noticed that the kingdom is being manifest? Not just one day a week, but daily. We are no longer spending lunch on Tuesday talking about what God did on Sunday. We are coming together on Sunday saying, did you know who I baptized on Monday? Do you know the person I taught a Bible to? Thursday, do you know what the Lord did on Friday? I thought we were just playing basketball with the bros. But the Lord gave me a word for Sam. And Samuel got baptized Friday night. 
We are stepping into deeper waters. And so it is that Jesus is yet giving another invitation to everyone that will hear. Come with me. He speaks to the bros. He speaks to those closest to him. He speaks to his disciples. I, I want you to get in the boat with me. Get the Yeti. Get the Gatorade. We're going to the other side. And yet the other side is Decapolis. It is the land of the cast out ones. It is the capital of sin. It is where the heathens live. And Jesus is demanding to every single one of them to launch into the deep. This is what is unique to me. They have the ability to make it to their same destination by foot. They can walk the shoreline and circle around the deep. But Jesus will not give us the luxury in 2022 to circle around what we are to come into. We cannot circle around sanctification. We cannot circle around sacrifice. We cannot circle around holiness. We cannot circle around discipleship. We cannot circle around doctrine. But we are to step into the deep. We are not to circumnavigate it. We are to boldly step into it. So it is that his disciples are about to realize that there is a higher mandate taking place. Because as they find themselves in the boat going across the deep, the deep, the deep, they not only are in the deep, but now they are in a storm. And Matthew calls it a great storm. Can I tell you that there is a temptation. I have felt it. It is a demonic irony. You have felt it. There is a temptation to remain on the shallows. Can I just be very transparent with you? When you begin to step into spiritual warfare, being just another average apostolic kind of sounds nice. But you can only ooze for so long from one service to another until something begins to pulsate and bow up on the inside of you and says, I was not meant to just come. I was meant to be sent forth. I was meant to be apostolic. Not to be propped on a Pentecostal pew, but to step into deeper waters. What if the first person I teach a Bible study to doesn't come to church? What if I, what, what if I operate in the giftings and I, and I sort of fumble? What if I sink in the deep? What if you sink in the shallows? For so long, I was so afraid of, of sinking in the deep. I, I, it was a, 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 a paralysis of analysis. Thinking that, hey, perfect nothing was somehow superior to a flawed something. The Bible says there was a man that was hearing the RSVP of the deep. 
the Bible says that he, he stepped out of the boat and he began to walk on water. He began to step where and in ways that no human had trod except Jesus. But then the Bible says that he sank. I set you up. I'm sorry. You're going to have trust issues for the rest of this service. He didn't sink. He began to sink. I need to preach to somebody that is about to leave this atmosphere. You are going to fail. You are going to fumble. But beginning to sink is not the same thing as sunk. There's some things I almost did, but I didn't do. Discernment stopped me. The Lord stopped me. The voice of God stopped Come on, there's a lot of junk you did in your past. But there's some things you almost did that you did not. The prodigal would have eaten the pig's food, but he did not eat the pig's food. My foot almost slipped, but then I went to the sanctuary and I did not slip. I may defend oneness wrong, but I'm going to go back and study and I'm going to come back. I may pray for somebody and they don't get healed, but I'm going to find somebody else. I will not sink in the deep. No, I will not. But they're in this topsy-turvy moment. They're about to die. They're about to perish. And Jesus is asleep. Hey, hey, I need you to wake him up. No, I need you to wake him up. No, no. Um, you're the one that he, no, no, no. Um, Jesus. Hey. Yo, Jesus. Jesus. Hey, don't you dare throw up. Jesus, come and wake him up. Jesus, yo, Rabbi, we about to die up in here. And Jesus, it just says he gets up. Now, I think in the Greek, it says that he just cracked his back, yawned, looked at them, with the cray-cray face and said, peace be still. And all of a sudden, Matthew says, where there was a great storm, there is now a great calm. Because where sin did abound, grace doth much, my school is turbulent. The culture seems powerful. Can I tell you, there is never a great storm that is not followed by a great awakening, a great revival, a great visit. Chaos has always been the canvas of the supernatural. 
You don't know how vile my city is. You don't know the laws that have been put into motion. Oh, I know that prodigal can come back, but you don't know. You don't know. Uncle Tom, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know my brother. You, you don't know my, you, you don't, you don't know my aunt. That sounds great, but you don't know that my dad's an atheist. You don't, you don't, you don't realize that my sister, she believes in another faith. You don't understand how deep and decadent my situation. We're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. And if we're... All of us feel the wind and waves of doctrines of devils. But I'm telling you, there is somebody in our midst. There is somebody who is getting ready and already has spoken on our behalf. We will not die in this culture. We will... Our epitaph will not be that we fail to the undertow of woke thinking. Our epitaph will not be that we surrender to the undertow of our generation. Our proclamation will be deep was calling to deep. And when deep called, I answered because something in me resonated. Deep was calling to deep. Deep calls to deep. Likeness speaks to likeness. If deep is calling, there's something deep in you. There's a capacity, a raw potential that lies dormant within you. So if you're feeling the tug, if you're feeling the inkling, if you're feeling the promptings of the spirit deep is resonating with deep spiritual is signaling is signaling to spiritual i have to hurry because the bible says that they are not alone in this scenario they are not alone in this story but the bible says there is a man in the city. He's had a place of position. He's had a place of identity. But life has hijacked his destiny. And now he is not where he belongs. But the Bible says, day and night, he is crying in the mountains. You can be in a high place going through a low point. We, we envy. We envy the popularity of our world. We envy the celebrity status of our world. While not acknowledging that you can have a high social 
status and yet be in a deplorable spiritual stature. There's men and women in this room, you come to church and to everybody else, it looks like you're living on a high. But in reality, you're going through low point after low point after low point after low point. But the Bible says that Jesus stepped onto the shore. The capitalist is the place of the heathen, the wickedness, the vile. It means the land of the cast out ones. No doubt in their Jewish upbringing, the boys would have heard some warnings from mom. Now, you can go to Bethsaida, you can go to Corset, but if I ever find out you went to the Catholics, there had to be some reserve or hesitation. But today, Jesus said, we are going to defy the boundaries. We are going to go where nobody has been willing to go. And I'm going to take you through a great storm to get you there. But what you don't realize is you are in a storm on the way to a storm. Because while you are going through a storm on the outside, there is a man that is cowering in a cave. And his life is a 24-7 cycle of suicidal thinking and gender confusion and hatred and animosity. Because he used to be a man in the city. But now the only thing that will get close to him is pigs and Jesus. Hey, with me for just a minute. Can I just preach a few more minutes? He sees Jesus afar off. He sees Jesus afar off. He sees Jesus afar off. Could it be that while the disciples were rocking to and fro on that sea of normalcy, they realized... They realized only later that the crosshairs of Christ could see what they could not see. Because there was a man who had a storm on the inside that was watching somebody go through a storm on the outside. And that man begins to speak a word. I think that's the theme of this conference. That man begins to speak the word. And I just surmise that that man who is living in the tombs, who is not abiding in any house, cannot hear what Jesus is saying. Sister Amy made a prolific statement. People hear what they see. And while he may not have heard the audible voice of Jesus, he saw the effects of what Jesus was. And I think something bowed up on the inside and said if waves have to submit, suicidal thinking has to submit. If the rain from the clouds have to stop, then maybe the rain of darkness has to cease. If that man has authority over the wind coming from the outside, maybe, just maybe, just maybe, he has dominion over the wind within. Somebody lift up your hands and somebody lift up your voice. 
Is this all right? Be seated for just a minute. I need my buddy to help me. I need you to help me, my man. Y'all give it up for my armor bearer. Now, he has a name, but he told, me, he told me he goes by Mr. Sir. So this is Mr. Sir. Don't he look sharp? I need you to be Jesus. Now, don't let it go to your head. Just for an illustration, okay? I need you to be Jesus. Now, I need somebody. Uh, I need somebody to be um, the guy filled with the demon. Yeah, I didn't think anybody would volunteer. Um, why, why is she pointing at you? The Lord may want to do a work. Hey, can I use you? Now, Jesus steps into the scene. I wonder how many times the man had surveyed the sea as there were those fishing and traveling. And I wonder how many people had turned around. The Bible says he was living among tombs. I wonder how many, I wonder how many funerals he had seen, how many corpses, how many bones. I, I wonder, I wonder if any other boat perhaps succumbed to the wind and the waves and they crashed and he saw their life rot away. But this day, he saw somebody soaked with water. Who had commanded that water to stop. And on this day, life was, was walking among the bones. And on this day, life was coming not to a funeral. Life was coming to a resurrection. Because you can be alive but be dead. He was living among the tombs. He was living like a dead man. He was residing where only the dead reside. He had a sleepover with death every night. He was companions with darkness. And, and yet there's somehow still a strength there. Because he could not be bound. Do not be confused when you see breakthrough. The physical can break through, but it cannot fully break out. And yet Jesus has stepped into his zip code. Jesus has come to where everybody else had left him. And the Bible says that when he saw Jesus so far off, he ran, he ran, and he fell at the feet of... Let's, let's, re, let's redo that, let's redo that. I mean, we got to be hermeneutically sound. We're going to fall at the feet of Jesus. Yeah, they, they, don't, they don't know we haven't practiced this. But now, now, now they know. They know. Okay, so he ran, and he fell at the feet of Jesus. And I want you to watch what happens. The Bible says that a conversation begins to take place. Oh, oh, oh. I need someone to be the devil. 
you're the man possessed with the devil. I need someone to be the devil. You, you want to point at anybody? Let's go. Man. <laughs> Y'all don't mess with winter. She either holding grudges or she got fresh batteries in her discernment. I do not know which. Now watch what happens. Watch what happens. Notice what Jesus says and notice what the demonic says. There's a conversation and it's, 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 it's I'm going to try to orchestrate it. It's told in three gospels. But I'm just going to give you a highlight. Notice, notice what the enemy says. The enemy says, hey, yo, 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 fam, um, you, you, you come too early. Don't torment us before our time. Now, that had to be a rookie devil or a junior demon. If you, Clayton, you got the audacity to tell the one who was before time, after time, yet always in time, yo, you're too early. So if the demonic can intercede that Jesus is too early, you and I can intercede that he's not too late. Why have you come to torment us before our time? Now, watch. Watch what Jesus says. Jesus says, what is your name? What's your name? And the response is legion. Legion. Uh, I need your mean mug. I need like a deep, intimidating voice. The one that made winter mad at you somehow. Legion. Legion. One more time. I, don't, don't make me sub you out. I mean, deeper, lower, intimidating, scary. You ready? Legion. Okay, you made the cut. What is your name? Legion. What is your name? Legion, can I ask you a really, really philosophical, intellectual question? What's your name? Johnny, what's your middle name? Alexander Morales. Johnny Alexander Morales. Johnny Alexander Morales. So your first name is not Legion. Your second name is not Legion. Your, th your last name is not Legion. So Legion was not the name of the man, Legion was the name of the one who was speaking on behalf of the man. Can, can I ask you all a really serious question? Can I ask you what your name is? Manka. What's your name? Wendy. You want to tell me your name? Martina. Let's go. What's your name? Wes. What's, what's your name? Navy. What, what's your name, brother? What's your, what's your name? Sierra. Sierra, that's a nice name. What's your name? Shelby. Shelby? Y'all just give me a minute. Edgar, what's your name? <laughs> Edgar. <laughs> Y'all catch that? What's your name, man? Irvin. Irvin. Y'all just give me a minute. Oh, what's your name? What's your, what's your name? Tabitha. What's your name? Timothy. Okay, I, I got a... I gotta go to the other side. What are we gonna do with all of this awkward silence? What's your name, man? Devin. What's your name? Felicia. What's, what's your name? Callie. What's your name? Chris. What's your name? Carrie. 
That's cute. What's your name? Let's go. One more. One more person. What's your name? Faith. I just wanted hell to know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was, I guess I should have come up with something deeper. I just wanted hell to know that there is an army of men and women that still have their kingdom voice. Trauma will not speak for me. Abuse will not speak for me. Dysfunction will not speak for me. I am royal, I am chosen, I am called, and I have been given a name. I got to stop you for just a minute. People can label you, they cannot name you. Some of you are living under labels that are not your name. Mama prayed over you in prayer. Daddy interceded over you before you were born. An elder prophesied over you when you didn't have parents living for God. And Let me tell you what Jesus does when you are living beneath what he has called you. God, have mercy. It's either ADD or anointing. I don't know. But I'm getting really excited right now because Jesus came to his house and he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. He said, so I called it this, but you made it this. And when I called this A house of prayer. I did not come back to what I called it. I came back to what you made it. So he walked away. He gave up on it. No, it is written. What's your name? Haley. It's not just Haley. It's Haley the intercessor. It's Haley the lady of God. It's Haley the one Jesus calls us to triumph. So... I need you to be a label for Haley. Fear, doubt, insecurity. What would that label be? Pressure. That's a great one. What would be a a label for Haley? Intimidation. That's a great one. What would be a label? Oh, see, she's jealous of what you said. No, no, it needs to be negative. These are negative labels. But what would be a negative label for Haley? Fear. What would be a negative label for Haley? Insecurity. What would be a negative label for Haley? Timidity. Okay, you're supposed to kind of take longer because I'm kind of out of breath. So I was hoping, I was hoping, I was hoping we could. So what happens when Jesus comes back and Haley is living under fear? Suicidal thinking, gender confusion, condemnation, sin, waits. He reminds you of what he called you the first time. It has been said 
that you're fearful. It has been said that you're insecure. It has been said, I feel my help, that you're a lost cause. But it is written. It is written. It is written. I have been engraved in the palm of his hand. I'm going to be engraved in the book of life. You can label me whatever you want me to be, but that is not my name. My valley is not my name. My dysfunction is not my name. The betrayal is not my name. But what if I'm the one that self-imposed the label? I called you a house of prayer, but you have made. But even when you've made yourself something other than what God has called you, it is written, I called you. When God called you, it wasn't a butt dial. It wasn't a pocket call. He didn't call you by accident. It wasn't a conference call. He did not need to consult your past, future, or present. When he called you, he called you. What? What? Well, that's a great word for him and her and them. Okay, commercial break. I need you to take off your fake halo. I need you to unplug it. Go home and burn it. I, I don't have that stigma. I don't have that label. Well, you call yourself apostolic. Have you made yourself something else? You know, the Bible is really redundant, redundant when, it, when it says that a sower went out to sow. Why do we need to know a sower went out to sow? Because the adjective is not the same thing as action. A sower, calling, adjective, went out to sow, action. I think there may be some prayer warriors that are not praying. I think there may be some disciple makers that are not making disciples. And I've come to provoke you. It is written. It is written. It is written. The author of your life said, you're going to plant a church. You're going to convert Muslims. You're going to... You're going to walk in the gifts. Are you living beneath what he has called you? Musicians, come. I'm not done, but we're just going to fake them out. Watch, be seated for just a minute. Just a moment as the musicians come. Watch. He's at the feet of Jesus. Jesus does not really seem to negotiate with the enemy. 
He said, what's your name? But there's one last request. There comes a moment where the enemy knows, the devil knows that victory is imminent. I love that phrase, he causes us to triumph. Sometimes I didn't want to triumph, buddy. Calls me to. When Peter was sleeping, he smote him. Some of you are not here because you oozed in here. He calls you to be here. And he's causing you on the last day, in the last session, to walk out victorious. There came a moment when the demonic authority knew our time is up. So what was the last talking point? Do you mind if we stay in the area? Can we, we know we have to leave him, but can we stay in her? And can we stay in him and can we stay in them? Can, can we just have a little experiment for a minute? Uh, no? Okay. Ooh. Rejection really makes me insecure. Rejection alert, high. Walls going up. Walls coming down. Can I do a little science experiment? Okay, 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 thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ethan. I was gonna do it anyway, but. <laughs> On the count of three, I just need one person to shout hallelujah. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Oh. On the count of three, I just want one person to say thank you, Jesus. I, I may need to go back to fifth grade. I, I feel like I'm on the struggle bus right now. On the count of three, I just want one person to throw up their hands, stand to their feet, and say, I love you, God. Just one per on the count of three. One last time, and if this doesn't work, this is going to be a really awkward ending to a really epic wins conference. On the count of three, I just need one person to start running and saying, God, you're good. One, two, three. Love you, God. Oh, 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 stop, 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 stop. Pause, pause, pause. No, stay right there. Stay right there. Freeze. Stay right there. Stay right there. No, stay right there. I'm going to call you out. No hiding now. Let's call them out together. One, two, three, four. Your whole... Oh, yep, five. Spotlight almost hid you. So that's not one. Oh, someone else? Somebody else ran. We ain't missing nobody in this house. Hell said, hey, can, can we stay in the area? Can we stay in the area? Because hell knew then what hell knows now. It's impossible for just one person to get deliverance. It's impossible for just one person to... When somebody gets delivered, somebody else gets delivered. When somebody comes clean of drugs, somebody else. When somebody stops sleeping around, somebody else stops. When somebody has an all-night prayer meeting, somebody else does. Oh. 
Watch, 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 watch. So the devils got to go. Where do they go? They go to the pigs. Where do the pigs go? They go where? Over the cliff. So, oh, okay. So they went to the pigs. The pigs went to the cliff. And they went over the cliff. And they went down the cliff. And got to the bottom of the cliff. And, and they died where the disciples survived. I wish, Kevin, I wish I could just tell this whole congregation, when you step into the deep, fiery darts won't get to you. Jadedness won't get to you. Church hurt won't get to you. Strife, envy, lust won't get to you. But I remember having a conversation with Kevin at Wims. He said at the end of every day, maybe not every day, because that sounds a little super spiritual. I mean, I, I don't, I'd hate to judge, but I'm kind of judging. But almost every day, he said, all of the fiery darts of the enemy that have come to my spirit, I take them out. One by one in prayer. He said, because I've learned that the enemy doesn't have to send you a kill shot. He just has to wound you. And if you never take out the fiery dart, the wound infects you and affects you until it kills you. I went back to that conversation at Wims. You know what you do when you encounter demons and devils and fiery darts and people who are full of devils? And people who are full of themselves? You ever thought there was, there was no devil in the beginning? It was just Lucifer. So he didn't become full of the devil. He just became full of himself. That's, that's another time. So sometimes you encounter people that are full of devils. Sometimes you encounter people that are full of themselves. Sometimes they are the same people. Sometimes you're the one that's full of yourself. And I wish I could tell you that demonic attack wouldn't come. And I wish I could tell you that you're going to have dominion that you, you're... You know, he, he causes you to triumph and he tells you you're more than a conqueror. And so why do we scratch our head when he gives us something to conquer? Well, we still do it. We think to have dominion means that we're exempt from the fight. We're still on the front lines. We're not to heaven yet. I went back to that conversation again and again. I've went back to moves of God. In a few months, I'm going to go back to moments in this week. You know what you do? Can I just give you a little spiritual uh, life hack or whatever you want to call it? Whenever the demonic is coming against you, take them to where Jesus moved last. 
They went to the sea. The sea that was a great storm that turned into a great calm. You know what I do when hell comes against me? I take them back to the last miracle. Because the last miracle is not the last miracle. The last breakthrough is not the last breakthrough. The last thing God did, it's not the last thing God did. I may be fighting, but he's going to do it again. I can't get this furry dart out. I can't shake what's attacking me. So I'm going to go back to the last time. I got the dart out. And I'm going to go back to the last time I forgave somebody. And I'm going to go back to the last time I won a soul. Because the last time is not the last time. Glory to glory. Line upon line. Precept upon precept. Not just in this moment, but from this moment. Okay. I got to preach for just two more minutes. Otherwise... Sophia is going to corner me because my title will not have made sense. Devils go off. Jesus, come up here, my man. Jesus and the man are having a conversation. Is this okay today? Is it all right? He said, Jesus, I want to go with you. 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 And Jesus says, go home. And it's, uh, I want to say Luke. That says, Jesus departed the coast. He departed the borders. He says, I want you to go back to a Sumerian context. Oh, oh I didn't explain. I'm sorry. While, while, while Jesus is talking to this man, and this man is saying, I love you, Jesus. I don't, want you to, I, don't want you to, I don't want you to leave. There's a whole community that comes out and says, Jesus, don't stay. They were more upset about pigs dying than a man cast out of society living like the dead. And Jesus said, go home. Jesus said to him, go home. When you merge the gospel accounts, he says, tell them everything that God has done. He says, go back to your family. Go back to your friends. Publish this in Decapolis. The terror of the town is about to become a testimony of the name. The land of the cast out ones. It's, it's going to be the same place. That the seven loaves are multiplied. Why is there a great group of people in that miracle? I submit to you, it's because the miracle of this story is that somebody went back home. I can't preach the house down today. I got to preach the house up. I got to elevate the house. 
I got to speak life to the house. Because Pentecost is all about a God that filled the house. <laughs> I really thought when I wrote that down, y'all would clap to that. Can I just be real with you? I've said in moments like this, and I've heard that demonic voice tell me, it'll happen in this house, it won't happen in your house. But God is giving somebody a sure word that everything that is moving in this room, everything that is permeating this atmosphere, is about to make its way to your dysfunction. It doesn't matter if your house is hell on earth. You're about to go back to your house. trying to stop I promise I'm trying you know where I got the Holy Ghost spirit in my house you know when I first ran the aisles because mom and dad had devotion I thought it was stupid I wanted to get done with it we prayed beside my bed it was awkward until it wasn't. And I lifted up my hands. And the first time I felt that nudge was when I stopped praying and something said, keep praying. And I didn't know that was the nudge that got Moses to stop at a burning bush. And I didn't know that was the nudge that followed Jonah. I didn't know that was the nudge that was speaking to Ruth and David, Mary. Timothy and God filled me with the Holy Ghost in my house and I got up it's not hyperbole it's not drama it's not a preaching point but I started running the, the aisles I started running in circles I don't know all the great grand sin that I had committed but there was a shift there was a change and I started running the aisles I started running. There's moments and there's nuances of it that I, I don't remember everything because I was young. But the one thing I remember was the feeling of running. And it wasn't the feeling of running. It was the running because of what I was feeling. And I think maybe, I think maybe it was the same feeling that that man felt when he ran back home and he started knocking on the door and he said, baby, I'm back, I'm back. I didn't just go to a conference. Something's coming back with me. Hear me. The last thing I'm going to say, and I'm done. Respond how you want to respond. I believe somebody can be healed in this last session. I believe somebody can be filled with the Spirit in this last session. I believe somebody can go back home. And... Some, of you, I hear, some of you are already about to dismiss what I'm saying. Doesn't matter the home that you were born into. It matters the home that you build. My mom was raised up in church. It wasn't perfect, but she grew up in a heavenly atmosphere. 
My dad was raised up in not so much that environment. I want to be respectful to anyone watching. It's, it's not personal. It's, 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 it's the fact that with Jesus, he is everything. And without Jesus, we are nothing. No good thing is in us. You would be on death row if it wasn't for Jesus. We would be out of our mind if it wasn't for Jesus. You would have cheated too if it wasn't for Jesus. You would have been jaded if it wasn't for Jesus. So my mom said, I want to give my children everything that I got. My dad said, I'm going to give my children everything I didn't get. And they came together to build a house. Demons used to be in this house and drugs used to be in this house in this house and sex trafficking used to be in this house and pornography used to be in this house and hatred and animosity and fear that has torment used to be in this house. But now, now there's a young boy named Landon and I don't know about that because Christian music played in our house and devotion was in our house and I got my first vision at my house and I ran the aisles for the first time at my house and I'm not perfect but somebody spoke life to the house. Somebody. I'm done, I'm done, I promise. The last thing that Jesus said to that man go home and what sounded like demotion some of you are already feeling it I gotta go back home I could just stand on this forever I gotta go back home I gotta go back home I gotta go back home maybe you're maybe you're you're spiritual you got it all together and I'm not talking to you but if you burned your halo I'm talking to you you're gonna go back home to something you really don't wanna go back home to But what sounded like demotion was promotion. Because when Jesus said, go home, he was telling that man, the tombs are not your home. The cave is not your home. It is written, my house. I just, that's, that's the word. That's the word to somebody in the last session, in the last service. You're going to go home because everything else you've been living in, everything else you've been settling in is not your home. The bones are not your home. The identity crisis is not your home. The spirit of confusion is not your home. The lethargy is not your home. The abuse is not your home. The rape is not your home. The mess up is not your home. The failure is not your home. You will not die here. Come on, I'm looking for somebody to arise and come to this front. Come on, I don't want you getting on your face. I don't want you getting on your knees respectfully. I want you to walk up with your shoulders square. With your head back. The glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the former house. Pastor Myers wins. It's going back to a living room. 
way of just going back to a kitchen. Pentecost filled the house. Pentecost filled the house. Drugs were in this room, but Pentecost is about to fill it. Secret sin was in this room, but Pentecost is about to fill it. Somebody's coming out. It was the last service. It was the last session. But you heard a word from Sister Amy. You remember the word of Pastor Myers. You remember the word of Brother Woodward. Brother Helms. Word after word has brought you to this moment. You've been in a high place going through a low point. But a word is bringing you out. Come on, that's it all across this house. You're being sent forth. You're going to be apostolic. You're going to go forth. House to house. House to house. Dorm room to dorm room. P7 to P7. CMI to CMI. is. Home is where your calling is going to be fulfilled. Home is where the miracle is going to be finalized. I'm going back to a Sunday school room. I'm going back to a lunch break. I'm going back to family that doesn't know Jesus. I'm not leaving. I'm being sent. I'm not leaving. I'm being sent. I'm being sent. I'm being sent.
restoration right now. There's a wave of restoration right now. I want Abel to join me on the platform very quickly. Wherever Abel is, I just saw him over here. There's a wave of restoration. Things are happening in this room right now. Things are happening in this room. And just as there was a mother that came to Jesus and prayed on behalf of a daughter that was oppressed in her house, I believe the word is about to be spoken. The Bible says that a mother came to Jesus. She said, I've got a daughter in my house that's oppressed. When Jesus spoke the word, when Jesus found faith, she went back home and she found her daughter whole. If she found her daughter whole, that means she was looking for it. Somebody, I'm telling you right now, there's about to be a simultaneous work. God's going to do something in this house. And while he's doing something in this house, he's going to do it in your house. I want you to lift up your hands. Brother Abel is going to pray. After he is done praying, I want you to turn to somebody else and begin to pray over them. And something is going to be loosed in this room right now. Abel, pray. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Be free in the name of Jesus. Be delivered in the name of Jesus. All chains are breaking in this atmosphere. We have heard it yesterday, but God, I pray under the authority of the name of Jesus. There is healing. There is restoration. There's relationships that are being amended. God, I receive and I believe, God, that there's an outpour of your spirit that is going to leak in into the cities that we're going back to. I believe, God, that there's the Spirit of the Holy Ghost is about to leak into the streets of our homes. We're going to go back and we're going to walk into it with power and with deliverance. And when we step into those rooms, chains are going to be broken. Things are going to happen in the atmosphere by the power of the name of Jesus. By the power of the name of Jesus. Come on, begin to lift up your voice. Begin to lift up your praise. The Spirit of God is working right now. He's doing it for you right now. Come on. That's it. That's it. That's the Spirit of God. Prophesy to your generation. Prophesy to your family. Prophesy to your relationships. Prophesy. Yes.
I do not want you to mistake this for arrogance. But maybe it is just a little arrogant. Is it all right to be a little arrogant with the enemy? Is it okay to be just a little arrogant with hell? Now, story time with Landon for 20 seconds. I was playing, I was playing ball. I, I thought I was athletic. I got some hustle. Well, maybe, just maybe, Jeremy, maybe, just hypothetically, your boy got dunked on. And maybe, just maybe, the person who dunked on me started running back and he looked at me. He didn't just look at me. He looked at me and did this. I said, hold up, this is bro code. I went to one of my friends, I said, let's just say maybe I got dunked on and somebody gave me that look and he went like this. My buddy said, oh. I said, what do you mean? He said, you got dunked on. I said, I know that. He said, but then he was letting you know you got dunked on. I said, what do you mean? He said, he disrespected you. He said, when he did like this, he was saying, on your head. I dunked on you, and I know I dunked on you, and I want you to know I dunked on you. Maybe, maybe it's just been a long week, and maybe, maybe the brain's getting a little fried. What if this last shout was a disrespectful shout? And what if somebody just told the enemy, you're under my feet. This shout is on your head. When I walk back into my house, I want to... Do I got anybody that says I'm coming out of the grave? Is there anybody that says this last show is about to be a disrespectful show?
unprecedented. Can, can we rewrite the song? The song says, get up, get up, get up. I think everybody's gotten up. So what if we rewrote the song and we sung, got up, got up, got up. We've told the devil what we're going to do. We've told each other, get up. Why don't we tell hell what we just did? Got up, got up, got up. Got up out that grave.
bless another one. We're singing it kind of pretty. And that's all right. We're just kind of talking. We're just kind of telling somebody our testimony. Lost another one, but the more we tell it, the more we get excited about it.
say that this WINS conference is just the first step in a three-step process. We consider this conference to be the mobilization of millennials and young ministers that want to get their hands in the harvest. And the second part of it is a ministry that we started from this conference last year called Global Harvest in Motion. And there's some information behind me about how you can get involved. We're going to begin with training the Church of Pentecost in Jacksonville. Uh, next month in uh, November, November 18th and 19th. It'll be a Friday night and a Saturday morning. It's free for everybody that wants to get involved. And then we're going to have all of these crusades. We're going to be starting with a crusade in Jacksonville in January. And we believe through these crusades that you see behind us that we'll see over 100,000 people receive the Holy Ghost in the year 2023. And what Brother Landon Gore just preached about is that we're not going to just gather together once a year, but we're going to gather for the purpose of going. And we believe that if we can get our hands in the harvest, God's going to raise up an army of millennials and ministers that are going to serve this generation with the declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want you to be involved. We want you to be a part of it. Any of these crusades that you can jump in and be a part of, we want you to know you are welcome. We want you to be a part of the team. And let's change the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. If God be for us, who can be against us?
What a week. What a week. Why don't you hug your brother and sister and tell them you love them in the Lord. Take this victory with you. God bless you.